thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. As we are standing, we're going to read from the scriptures. Praise the Lord. God is good. And I thank the Lord for this uh, wonderful time God has given me to come before your presence. For the folks who are here as well as the folks who are live streaming this morning. God is good all the time. God is good. And I believe our good God has something very good to share with us this morning. Amen. If you're ready to receive, please turn with me to two portions of the scriptures. Uh, we first going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 19, followed by 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And I will be reading from the NIV version. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 through 19. David and his men reached Siglach on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Najib and Siglach. They had attacked Siglach and burned it, and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Siglach, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel, Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party will I overtake them pursue them he answered you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue David and the 600 men with him came to the Bezor Valley where some stayed behind 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley. But David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. They found an Egyptian in a field and brought him to David. Verse 11. They gave him water to drink and food to eat. Going to verse 13. David asked him, Who do you belong to? Where do you come from? He said, I am an Egyptian, the slave of an Amalekite. My master abandoned me 
When I became ill three days ago, we raided the Najib of the Karathites, some territory belonging to Judah and the Najib of Caleb, and we burned Seglak. David asked him, Can you lead me down to this raiding party? He answered, Swear to me before God that you will not kill me or hand me over to my master, and I will take you down to them. Verse 16, he led David down, and there they were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of Philistine and from Judah. David fought them from dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away, except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his wives. Nothing was missing, young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. David brought everything back. Turn to your neighbor and say, nothing was missing. Nothing was missing. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Shall we pray? Lord, I pray this very morning, Father, that your presence continue to work among us. Praise God. Lord, I pray the hearts be strengthened with a steadfast love towards you, Master, such that we seek nothing but your will in our lives. We pray that hope in you and your kingdom is stirred up in such a way that we move according to the timeline of God and we move in a strong faith to, me, to be more than conquerors. Lord, we pray that this very day you strengthen us to move in your calling, to cast out all fear and doubt. Forgive our shortcomings, Lord. Help us to be empowered to go into the enemy's camp and recover everything that rightfully belonged to us in this physical and spiritual realm. Lord, let there be nothing missing that you intended for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, we rebuke any powers that try to hinder this message. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everyone said amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Folks, I'll try my best in time allotted to me to preach from these two portions of connected scripture. But I pray that you continue to meditate on it even when you go home. And let the Holy Spirit continue his work. In you, praise God. Life constantly presents each of us with circumstances that we do not have the freedom to choose. But we are forced 
to deal with. These piercing and almost unwanted circumstances take many forms. It could be a pandemic like we are in now. Just when we thought that it's getting better, it's getting worse. It could be a financial crisis. It could be a loss of a dear loved one. It could be a health crisis, a betrayal. The greatest temptations in fleshly life is to become too absorbed in one circumstances. The pain of the situation can be so great that we turn our eyes and vision from things of above to stare, our, stare at our circumstances. Our vision becomes fixated on our internal circumstances so much that we become stuck and glued and fail to see what is beyond. Whenever a person cannot see beyond their current circumstances, they become short-sighted and stuck in despair. For example, during this pandemic, some of us, we get fixated on just the COVID, COVID circumstances. And not see beyond what God promised his people. We began to lose hope. And that is why Apostle Paul states in Philippians chapter 3, he states, One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Amen. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think in this way. Paul is urging us not to be stuck in our circumstances, but to push forward and see beyond the circumstances. But how can we do that? How do we do that when it seems like there is chaos all around us? How do we do that when we are in so much pain? How do we do that when the odds are against us? How do we do that when the enemy has raided and stolen from us? The answer is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. It says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the, but the greatest of these is love. 
Folks, the only way we are going to make it through any circumstance, the only way we are going to succeed, the only way we are going to make it to hold on these three virtues, the love of God, the hope in God, and faith in God. The Bible is clear. If we are going to make it, these three must remain. The key word here is remain. Or King James Version says, you must abide. Hallelujah. Let the enemy try and steal everything else. But these three must remain for every believer. Even if everything else is taken away. Our health is taken away. Our money is taken away. Our job is taken away. Our fellowship is taken away. Our loved ones are taken away. If these three remain within you. The love of God. The hope in God. The faith in God. Then not only will you make it. But you will be a conqueror. And nothing God intended for you to have can be taken away from you. Hallelujah. Nothing, folks. Scripture says David recovered everything. And as we meditate on 1 Samuel chapter 30, we will see that it was because David held on these three virtues. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 18 and 19, it states, David recovered everything. Say, everything. Hallelujah. Say, everything. Nothing was missing. Hallelujah. David brought everything back. Hallelujah. This morning, God wants us, some of you to get up from your crying situation, from your state of shock, from your misery and stir up these three virtues in you. The love of God, the hope in God, and faith in God. Folks, you can possess what God wants you to possess even in this situation. Even in this season. And this is what David did in 1 Samuel 30. And it made all the difference would you follow along with me? We know that David, as a young anointed man, he enters the service of King Saul. And Saul is jealous of David because he is a man of valor. So David becomes a fugitive for 13 years. Between the time God spoke a word to him and the time he actually becomes king. And during this time, this particular incident happens. And as a fugitive, David aligns himself with a Philistine king named Akash. And he is given a plot of land named Siglak. And he lived there for 16 months, being of service to the Philistine king. And one day, King Akash decides that he is going to fight 
that he's going to fight the Israelite army and that he will use David and his men to fight Saul. But by the sovereignty of God, David and his men dodged a bullet. They are sent home back to Ziglag by Akash's generals. Are you with me? So David and his men spent three days traveling back to Siglak. Now you can just picture their excitement. Just want to retire back home peacefully and relax and rest. But as they come over that last horizon, they started seeing smoke in the air. And when they get to their home in Siglak, they are stuck with sudden shocking news. Have you ever been hit with such a shocking news? Their city has been burned. Their lives have been raided. Their wives are gone. Their children are gone. Their livestock, everything is gone just like that. And their life as they knew it is taken away as they watch the city on fire. The Bible states, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Folks, sometimes when the thieves comes to steal, destroy, and kill the very plans God has for us, it can be very painful. When he comes and attacks in surprise, it can leave us in a state of confusion. And we feel like our strength is just drained. Their city was gone. Their possessions were gone. Their families were gone. Their peace was gone. The life as they knew it was all gone. And to top it all, verse 6 states, David was greatly distressed because the very men who were in his council, the very men who were supposed to be his brothers, were talking of stoning him. They blamed David for all their situation. They blamed his leadership. Imagine how lonely David must have felt. These men did not even consider what David also was facing such a great loss. The Bible states each one was bitter in spirit because of their loss. Bitter in the spirit. What do you do? When the world just fell apart. And there are many leaders in this house today. I I can assume that you can relate this. Have you ever been Blamed for your leadership. David was greatly distressed. But the Bible tells us that David loved the Lord. Hallelujah. He was a man after God's own heart. Verse 6, it states, David found strength in the Lord his God. Hallelujah. When everything was stripped away. 
when everything was taken away, David kept the love of God in his heart. So while the other men leaned on their own understanding of the situation, with a bitter spirit, David leaned on his Lord and still acknowledged him as his God. Hallelujah. Men of flesh will lean on their own understanding when faced with a difficult situation. But men of the spirit will seek and lean on God's understanding of the situation. When you have understanding, when you are, for example, leaning on this COVID season, who is the God of your life and your situation this morning? Who are you leaning on this morning, folks? Do you seek encouragement in God's love for you? David, in the midst of loud cries around him, all the noise around him, all the reports around him, the women are dead, the children are gone, the city is destroyed, we are finished, all the why questions. Instead, he sits in the presence of the God who loves him and start talking to the one he loves. Hallelujah. And Bible states, while the other men were busy being bitter, stuck in their despair and playing the blaming game, David inquired of the Lord. Hallelujah. Two questions, folks. Verse 8, David asked God, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Hallelujah. These are two very interesting questions David asks of God. Think about it. He has no idea where his children are. He does not know the well-being of his children and his wife. He does not know if they are alive. He does not know if the families of his men are alive. He has no knowledge what has happened to his family. And as far as he knows, they may be dead. Yet David seeks the Lord with two questions. Should I pursue and will I overtake? Hallelujah. Should I pursue and will I overtake? Maybe you're going through a situation the life has been raided where things have been taken away from you. Where you feel like everything around you is burning down like the city of Siglank. But the Holy Spirit is reminding you and me that there are things in the spiritual and physical realm that rightfully belongs to you. Will you ask the Lord, should I pursue Will I overcome, overtake, even in this season? Hallelujah. Unlike the other men, David was different. He was different. He had three virtues. The love of God, the hope in his God, and faith in his God. And that's why he's able to muster up the question, Shall I pursue and will I overtake? 
what was David expecting? It was the virtue of hope that helped them see beyond the Siglak question, the Siglak situation. A hope that took his eyes off the burning valley of Siglak and look above. Listen carefully, folks. David knew God loved him. He knew he kept the virtue of the love of God in him. But he kept the virtue of hope in his God. A hope that would empower him to ask these two very important questions. Should I pursue? Will I overtake? This morning, I don't know what you're facing. Maybe you've been crying for some time. Maybe you are just anxious and distressed. But God is looking to see if you will come to him and let his love for you encourage you. He is seeing if you will seek him and have that hope in him. Even if your siglac looks like it's burning. When was the last time you asked God, God, should I pursue and will I overtake? When all else is lost, let these three virtues remain. We should never lose love, hope, and faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. It was the love of God that beckoned David to sit in his presence and be encouraged. When everyone else was sulking in the bitterness, it was the hope in God that caused David to see beyond his Siglac situation and to inquire of the Lord. But seeing is not enough. But seeing beyond is not enough because you can be standing in the middle of Siglac situation and have hope. Hope may give you the desire, but hope will not carry you out. Hope will give you an expectation, but hope will not make you move. This is where the virtue of faith must come in. Faith must rise up inside of me to make that move. Hallelujah. David asked, should I pursue? In order to pursue anything, especially for the kingdom of God, you need to have an aggressive faith. Kingdom pursuit requires faith. Kingdom pursuit requires love. It requires hope. It requires faith that one who has called you out will see the work started in you will come to a completion. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. Now these three remain faith, hope, and love. In this life, some things will not remain, folks. People will not remain. Job will not remain. Wealth will not remain. Health may not remain. And as a Christian on this earth, things are constantly shifting in your life. But these three things should not shift. You cannot afford to lose faith. You cannot afford to lose hope. You cannot afford to 
not love God. For in these three things that will carry you out of any circumstances, these three things will give you the strength to bounce back from any stale circumstances. It was love that caused David to seek, lean on, and be encouraged by God. It, had, it was hope that caused David to ask God, should I pursue? Even if the task looked impossible, but it will be faith in God's response and promise now that will cause David to physically act and move out of that siglac in pursuit. Scripture here teaches something very important. So listen carefully. David's pursuit was rooted in God's, God's desires. In other words, David went after the things that God desired for him. David's pursuits were rooted in faith after what God desired for him. And not what his flesh desired for him at the moment. As great as his pain, he stopped to ask God, shall I pursue and will I overtake? God, what is your desire for me in this situation? Do I have your favor, your blessing? This is not about you pursuing what your flesh wants. This is about you pursuing God himself and pursuing the things of God. Folks, are you with me this morning? This was faith in God. Hallelujah. Faith in his word. Faith in his ability to deliver. David asked the Lord and the Lord replied, you will certainly overtake them and succeed. You need faith to get out of that stuck place. Praise you, Jesus. David set out with 600 men. The Bible states 200 of the men were too exhausted to complete the task. 200 of the men were exhausted to cross the Bezor Valley with David. But that didn't stop David. David had aggressive faith for this aggressive pursuit. He let the 200 stay behind. But he took the 400 willing and able men to continue in pursuit. Amen. Watch these three aspects of faith I want to share with you. Number one, faith must be defined. Number two, faith must be developed. Number three, faith must be demonstrated. Hallelujah. Faith must be defined. Faith must be developed faith must be demonstrated praise you Jesus folks if nothing else convince you to hold on to your faith hold on to the hope and love of God let me tell you one more thing from this passage do you need the evidence the only evidence you and I need is the character and faithfulness of God. The sovereignty of who God is. What you and I can always count on. How did God meet David? He sovereignly allowed one of the Amalekites to abandon a whistleblower. His sovereignty led that Egyptian to David. His sovereignty protected the families of David and his men. 
His sovereignty led David right to the enemy's camp for a victory. His sovereignty helped David in the battle. And because of the sovereignty of God and his word, David recovered everything that God intended for him. Praise you, Jesus. Will you love him? Will you lean on him? Can you please stand with me? Will you love him? Will you lean on him? Will you pursue his desire? Will you preserve your hope in his promise? And will you step out in faith? For God has also given us commands to pursue. And he has already given us his promise that he will overcome. Let us hold on to love. Let us hold on to hope. Let us hold on to faith. And if nothing else convinces you, hold on to your faith. Hold on to the hope and love of God. Let me tell you, this passage drives it home. In the beginning of the message, I had you repeat, nothing was missing. Say, nothing is missing. Nothing is missing. The Bible states when David had returned to home at Ziklag on third day, that the enemy tried to make him believe that everything was gone. That no hope was to be found. That his everyone either taken away into captivity or dead. But the word of God told David differently. David held on to the promise of God. This morning the Bible tells you and me. That over 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. On the third day. When Satan had us believe that all was lost. That the promise of God from the beginning of time. He rose again. And his name is Jesus. Hallelujah. Everything was recovered for you and me. And then some. Hold on to faith. Hold on to the hope. Hold on to the love of God. His promises are true. Step out. We are inheritors of the kingdom of God. And nothing can separate that from us. No scheme of the enemy. No stick or death. No illness or tribulation. Hallelujah, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Hallelujah, we praise you, Jesus.